the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are keeping your promise that when we gather together, when we reconcile with each other, whenever we come together in your name, that you are there. And I pray that you will make us aware of that today as we explore your word, as we continue to worship. We thank you for communing with us, for hearing our songs and and meeting us there. But just now, God, as, as we unpack your word together, I pray that it will change our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we, we talked about how to live purposefully and serve faithfully. That was the challenge and trying to make it as practical. But this entire summer, as we start this new series called Listen to the Spirit, it's all about exactly how to do that. How do we know God's purposes? How do we stay faithful even when things get rough? There are a lot of details in that, but at the very core of it is our ability, that the necessity that we learn to listen to God's Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit wants to guide us through life. The Holy Spirit of God doesn't just show up in our hearts and, and not make any difference. That's never God's dream. When, when we are baptized into Him, when we surrender our lives completely to Him, we get what the Bible calls the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts as He so chooses. He wants us to use those. We've talked about that several times. But He also wants to have this relationship with us. He wants us to know God as well as do His will. And the primary way that we experience that, the primary way that God does that, is through the Holy Spirit. Through, uh, for some reason, uh, I don't think it's intentional, But most churches today, especially in America, we talk a lot more about God the Father and Jesus the Son than about the Holy Spirit. But all three are important. And the Holy Spirit is the one who represents God's actual presence in us. And so for the next several weeks together, we're going to focus on how do we listen to the Spirit. Are you with me? Coming on that journey? I'm excited about it. So... Hopefully, a lot of this is going to be review for most of you, but it may be brand new to some. Again, we don't talk about it as much sometimes, uh, or people don't pay attention or something. I don't know what happens, but a lot of people really don't know how this works. So we're going to lay some foundations and give some basic stuff every single week, and we're also going to get as practical as we possibly can. So here's some basic stuff. The word that we translate, spirit, in the Hebrew word and the Greek word. The Hebrew one is ruach. The Greek word is pneuma. Both of those don't necessarily mean spirit as in ghost. A lot of old translations translate the Holy Ghost. But it means a lot more than that. The the word ruach or pneuma, the spirit essence, it means primarily energy or power or essence. It can mean wind or it can mean breath. It almost always is kind of a sort of intangible kind of a force, like wind. You know it's there, you feel it, you hear it, you can't see it, you can't grab it, you can't totally control it. You can put up propellers that'll capture its energy, but you can't can't really harness it. Are you with me? But primarily, no matter what else the Bible says about the Spirit, sometimes it calls Him the Spirit of God. Sometimes the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ. Sometimes just 
the Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit. But however, however it talks about him, the one commonality is he represents God's presence. The Holy Spirit is when God shows up, when God is tangibly part of the situation. And that's so important. That's why it's so important that we understand him. And he wants, again, to guide us through life. Uh, in the Old Testament, you have God the Father represented as a shepherd. This is just an example. Psalm 23. Uh, God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many even have that memorized? You know what I'm talking about. In the New Testament, we have Jesus, uh, the good shepherd. In John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the sheep know my voice. And they follow me and they won't follow anyone else. Again, sometimes the Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. And in the same way, He wants to guide us through life. When Jesus was literally in the valley of the shadow of death, the night before He was arrested, He spoke some powerful words to His disciples. And that we're going to start here with what Jesus Himself said about the Holy Spirit. This is in John 16. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead you grieve because of what I told you. But in fact it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Again, a little bit geeky original language stuff, but it's so important because English just doesn't have the exact same words. That's why if you're confused, if you're reading in several different versions, which I always recommend, uh, you're going to see that, that word kind of, uh, translated as advocate or helper, comforter, several different things. The reason is what that word actually means is the one who calls alongside. And it means all of those things. The, the, the advocate part of it is actually a legal term. It means your defense attorney. The advocate is the one who's actually there defending you. Trying to make sure that you get what needs done, done. It's actually the opposite of the term Satan. That we say Satan. Which is actually the Satan. It's actually a title. The Satan. And that means the accuser or the prosecutor. This is the closest the Bible ever gets to that old like devil on your shoulder and angel on the other. It never says that. That's a myth. But this is as close as it gets. You've got the devil trying to accuse you and condemn you. And you've got the Holy Spirit trying to protect you and trying to guide you and trying to defend you. Jesus continues. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And once again, we see that this idea of conviction versus condemnation is one of the ways to tell the difference between those voices in your head or in your ears or on your shoulder or whatever. The voice of the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. Jesus himself tells us that very clearly. He's going to convict you. He's going to tell you what you're doing is wrong when it's wrong. He's also going to give you extra conviction when you are doing the right thing. When it's right, he's going to reinforce that. Yes, go ahead. Again, he's the one who calls alongside us. But the devil does the opposite. The devil is going to condemn you. 
If you hear a voice in your head or wherever else around you and it's saying you might as well just give up, you will never get there. God can't even, even God can't fix you. That is not God. That is not true. That is the devil and you can't listen to that voice. Again, this harmonizes so perfectly with everything we know about God the Father and Jesus the Son. Jesus himself said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus continues, there is so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, here's another title for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives in me. And again, we see this one who calls alongside image going so many different directions, but still bearing that same image. He is an intercessor. He is a comforter. He is a helper. And if you, the version of, Bible, of the Bible that you use every day says one of those, it's right. It's just it's, it's bigger than any one of those titles. Is this making sense? It's so much more than just one label that we might put on him. He is the spirit, the very presence of God himself. And you just can't box that up. You can't label that well enough. You just can't. I don't care what language you're trying to translate the Bible into. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. There's so many times that I am praying and I've said the same thing three or four times. And I just go, Holy Spirit, I need you to pray for me. I got nothing else. I'm not going to babble on like the pagans. Jesus told me not to do that. I'm not going to recite a prayer. I'm not going to just keep talking. But I, you, you need to hear my heart. Go for it. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Anybody that knows me knows I love to think deeply and like to study deeply. And I go down deep rabbit holes whenever somebody gives me a question. And I, I fight till I find those truths. But one of the most powerful things that has helped me hang on to the truth all these years is I have experienced this. There are desires that are in me that would never have shown up if only John Pryor or somebody trying to, to control me was involved. I have good, healthy desires in me now that would never have been mine on my own. 
I have a distaste for sin. And even sins that used to be the primary ones that the devil tempted me with, that, that is different. I would never have that distaste if the Holy Spirit hadn't produced that in me. I'm not saying I'm 100% there. None of us are. I'm not pretending. But I know as I look back, I can see some progress made. And I know I can't give myself credit for that. Those desires to do the right thing, those desires to not do the wrong thing anymore, those come from the presence of God himself living within me. And that's what Paul's talking about. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed, <clears throat> excuse me, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Excuse me. <clears throat> Dwight Moody uh, back in the day was asked by someone to pray for him or pray for them. It was a woman. She came to him and he sa she said, would you pray for me that God will give me patience? And he said, no, I won't. And she said, why not? He said, well, a couple things. <clears throat> Excuse me, when you pray for patience, anybody ever tried that? Yeah, bad news. But the other thing was, it's a package deal. It's not, the, the, the word fruit here is singular. The Holy Spirit produces all of these things. We're going to separate them out and we're going to unpack them and try and get as practical as possible over the next several weeks so that we understand each one of these things. But the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. It's Him producing it and it's all of the above. All of these things are going to be manifested in our lives if we learn to let the Spirit lead us. So we're going to start, though, with joy. Here's why. Faithfulness is going to thread through this whole thing. Love is going to flow through the whole thing. We're going to talk about both of those every single week, and we're going to wrap up with love. The next one on the list is joy. And I don't know about you, but I need some of that right now. Are you with me? So here we go. The word that we translate joy is kara. Kara. And that means the feeling of joy or happiness. It's, it's just the, when you feel ecstatic, happy, it's good. Something is great. It tastes good. It feels good. You, you know it and you, that answer finally came. Whatever, it, whatever gives you real, true, pure pleasure, that is joy. Now, it's deeper than that. It's not just a feeling. But, but some people say it's not a feeling. And I want you to know that that's, that is what that word means. It's also a feeling. It's just, it's not, that's not the whole picture either. The, the feeling of joy, the, the, the spirit of joy, kara, the fruit of the spirit essence of joy in our lives has three elements. 
And I, one of the most memorable and clear ways I've ever seen this described is on the Bible Project. I highly recommend them. And if you could look up their video on the fruit of the Spirit, it's fantastic. The Bible Project animates it, just puts it so clearly. I love that. But there's three elements, and they, they nail this. There's three elements of this joy, and we're going to explore those together today. First one is noticing what is good. We experience the biblical sense of joy when we notice what is good, what is real, what is pure, what is holy. When we notice the things that God is doing, when we notice the blessings in our lives, though that is part of joy. For example, I don't know about you, but one of the things that gives me joy consistently throughout my life is music. Writing music, playing music, listening to music, going to concerts, doing concerts, worship. It doesn't matter, but music is one of those things that it, it just brings me joy. Uh, creation, uh, being out in creation brings me joy. Just last night I was on my deck talking to God and just looking up at the stars and the sky was especially clear. And it was, it was amazing. It was just wonderful when you notice joy. But one of my very favorite things in life these days is with my family, my boys and my wife and I, we, we watch movies or read books or whatever, and then we talk about where's the truth in that? Where's the gospel in that? How do we see what is it about that movie that we like that made us, why does that make us happy? Why do we like that? What is it, where, where is God shining through in either the quality of how well that particular piece of art was created or the plot line or the ideas itself? Those, those conversations are always much more fun to me than the movies themselves. Second thing is enjoying what is good and simply enjoying those. And there's good in almost everything. Last week I picked on The Little Mermaid, and I'd like to add just a little bit more. There is a lie in The Little Mermaid. There is, and it's dangerous. And that is that if you follow your own heart at the expense of all else, that's the best thing in the world. That's the best way to happiness. And that simply is not true. But you know what? There's a lot of good and beauty in The Little Mermaid as well. There's a lot of dangerous ideas. For example... Generally speaking, your parents are wise. Her dad was actually kind of a jerk. I don't know if you've seen the movie. He's, he's terrible. He's not a good dad. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of just wonderful, innocent fun that's going on. Her, her collection of thingamabobs and forks and whatever, it gave her so much joy. She sang about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's cool. And you got Sebastian following her around, and he's like, under the sea. Under the sea. He's so excited about it. it, it just it, There's so much joy and so much goodness in that story as well. I don't want to demonize the Little Mermaid for you. I just uh, When you have those kind of open eyes, you're noticing the lies as well as the truth. Does that make sense? Same thing in the movie Finding Nemo. Ever seen that one? Actually, I love that one. It's actually a very, very dark movie, really. Uh, you know, a, a man trying, a widower trying to save his kidnapped, handicapped son? Ooh, kids movie, really? <clears throat> but it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful movie, and I love it. And, and not only the, 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 the father's heart that shows through, you can see God's love for his children. You can see how, how whatever disabilities we have is just not even part of the picture. You just love your kids. You love people, right? 
There's so much beauty. And along the way, there's just joy. They go surfing with turtles. And it's fun. There's no point in that except it's fun. They're just having a good time. And they, the, just Dory and all her nonsense is just fun. It's, just, it's, it's joyful to watch that. So again, when we notice joy and we, we take the time to enjoy it, wherever we find it, that is part of what the Holy Spirit does for us. Are you tracking so far? Reading my emails, getting my texts? Try not to say, does that make sense? I say that way too far. But here, here, here's where we're going to really get, dig deep now. Here's, here's part of where the Holy Spirit really has to kick in and give us extra help. Because this is the hardest part of the joy that he gives us. And that is focusing on what is good. Not just noticing it or enjoying it, but focusing on it no matter what. There is good in the world, even in the darkest moments. I think that that, that is one of the cool things that a lot of movies have to say. I think that that is something that, that anything that inspires us in hard times has to say. But deep down, we really need the Holy Spirit of God for this. Because sometimes joy is simply trusting and hoping and listening, even in the darkest moments. That's the supernatural thing that no movie, no anything else can just give you. And sometimes it's in the middle. Sometimes it's both. The first time you see musical worship happen in the, in the Bible is Exodus 15. Right after God splits the sea and lets the, the Israelites go free from Egypt. There's slavery there. Moses and his sister Miriam lead worship. And they, they, they sing a song to God. They all together sing a song of praise. Actually, two songs. And Miriam and her, uh, a bunch of other ladies from the Israelites, they get tambourines and dance. Now, it's a wonderful, joyful moment because God just did a miracle. But they're also out in the middle of the wilderness. And they're a long, long, long way from the promised land that God has promised them. But right where they are at that moment, they are noticing and enjoying what God has just done. Does that, do you see how that works? A few words of caution. Sometimes when some of us get how to experience joy, no matter what, just a little better than everybody else, because we've been around the Holy Spirit a little bit longer or something, maybe he were just wired that way, sometimes it doesn't work as well. I had a friend named Dale Smith that used to come to camp all the time. He had the biggest tambourine I've ever seen. It was like this. And no matter who was leading worship, what song it was, not every song is a tambourine song, by the way. I'm just saying, throwing that out. <laughs> kind of like cowbells, you know, it's just like, not, you don't always need it. Didn't matter, there's a tambourine. There's Dale. He's a big dude, too. He's like this big and this big. And he's out there with that tambourine. And, and it scared some people. I think, I, I, what... Even in the Bible, Proverbs 25.20 says this. Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. Be careful. When you're trying to comfort somebody, there is, a, there, is a, there is comfort there. The Spirit can empower you to do that. It's probably not like, it's still a good day. <laughs> Proverbs 27.14 a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. Heads up to all you morning people out there. That one's for you. 
But joy is also found just when we speak or sing the truth out loud. When we just say it out loud. No matter how we feel at the moment, we just say it. I'd like you to join me and worship God by saying some truth right here. This is one of Psalm 118. The whole psalm is amazing. We're going to say some selected verses from it out loud together. And if, if you would, would you stand? Let's say this one. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. I hope you stay up. Stay up. We're going to say some more scripture together. I hope you go back and I hope you read this whole psalm. It's so beautiful. There's so much goodness in this. But we're going to keep going to these selected verses. Let's say this together. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. And it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Here's another one. Same psalm. Let's just keep going. You are my God. Okay, now this one we're praying. Hold on. We're not just reciting. We're talking to God here, okay? We, we just did some horizontal stuff. This one's vertical. Say it to him. You are my God. I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Hallelujah. Give yourselves a hand. You did a great job on that. Go ahead and have a seat. And as always, stories kind of grab us as well. We just experience, did you feel the joy? Did you feel the presence in that? Just like when we sing, just like when we, when we say these truths out loud, when we, when we speak scripture, when we speak truth back to God, it's there. One person in the Bible who really got it was Paul. Paul not only writes about it, tells us, honestly, most of what we know of the practical stuff about the Holy Spirit, it comes from Paul. And also we see it in his own story. In Acts chapter 16, he is responding to a vision the Holy Spirit gives him, and on his way to Macedonia. And on the way, he stops in Philippi, and he starts a church with a, a woman named Lydia that it's going to meet in her home. And um, he starts this church that meets there. Um, he casts a demon out of a slave girl. And for all of his trouble, he and Silas are thrown in prison. Let's look at it straight out here, verses 22 and 23. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Now, do you think they were noticing joy? They're like, you know what? These shackles really aren't that bad. I kind of like it. At least we got a wall to lean across. That's not the joy they're experiencing. They're not actually, it's neither one of those things. They are focusing on what they still know to be true. They are supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit in this moment to remember that the story is not over, that God is still there. They're on their way to Macedonia. This can't be where their story ends. And it's not. How many have heard this story before? As they're worshiping, God sends a huge earthquake and all the prisoners are freed. Before the night was over, then that jailer... And all of his family were baptized into Christ. Every single one of them had become a Christ follower. And everything was different on the other side of this night. 
It wasn't because they were blind. It wasn't because they were idiots. They weren't hiding their head under a rock. It was because they were remembering together and focusing with the help of the Holy Spirit himself on what is still true and what is still real and what is still powerful even in the darkest of moments. And that is what's available to us through the Holy Spirit living in each side, inside of each one of us. Craig Rochelle says, when things are uncertain, what's most important becomes clear. That's real, isn't it? Switchfoot, one of my favorite bands ever, has a song that says, Ashes from the flames, the truth is what remains. The truth is what you save from the fire. And you fight for what you love. Don't matter if it hurts. You find out what it's worth and you let the rest burn. The song is about them driving away from his house and his studio. And there's fire everywhere. But he's got his family and he's okay. He says, I see the smoke piling up in the rearview mirror. Yeah, but I ain't ever seen it any clearer. If the house burns down tonight, I got everything I need when I got you by my side. Let the rest burn. That's joy. It's not fun to lose everything. It's not fun to have your house burn. It's not fun to have your dreams threatened. But there's real joy even then. When the Holy Spirit does this in our hearts. Paul writes from prison to the Philippians. Always be full of joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. So this morning I challenge you to do these three things. As we wrap up together, these are the things I encourage you to do. There's, there's some of this that we can just choose to do ourselves. And then if you are a believer, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you also have it available to have that supernatural empowerment from Him. And I ask you to do these three things. First, notice what is good. Everything that's good in one way or another can be traced back to God. No matter how messed up any of us ever become, the image of God is still in there somewhere. It's just gotten trashed by all the choices we've made and others have made that have affected us. Are you with me? But you can track, you can track the good stuff all the way back to God. So count your blessings. Thank God for what you're thankful for. Thank others for what you're thankful for. Share your victory stories. Even, even if the thing right before it is something that's breaking your heart, when you see God also moving over here, share that with people. Celebrate that. Really listen to other people's joys. Celebrate with them. This is another aspect of the phrase, listen to the Spirit, we'll spend a lot more time on as, the, as these, this series goes by, by the way. is We are all really just spirits trapped in these bodies. And when you listen to other people's spirits... You can connect on a deeper level than if you just kind of wait for your turn to talk. Enjoy what is good. It can all be traced back to God. Again, so fully invest in God and in others. This is one of the reasons we're so passionate about the growth groups this time. This is why we're advertising things like the, the um, what's it called? My mind's going blank. Weekend to Remember 
the event for marriage, which you can get a substantial discount and be there with your, your spouse. Uh, we really encourage you to do that. This is why we're asking everybody, literally everybody, to figure out one of those groups or a Sunday school class or a, pre, a group that already expects. But you need a team of people that are going to help you go on this journey together. We want to help you find those groups, create those groups. If you'd like to lead one, come and talk to my dad or me. We'd love to, we, we really believe that all of us need to be part of the big group and also part of some small groups that are going to help us walk through life in this. We need that. Enjoy what is good and really connect. And here's one more quick story. I'm about to wrap up here, but has anybody ever seen What About Bob? Anybody? It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so funny. And but there, this guy, Bob, I don't have time to tell his story, but he is so messed up. He is so completely controlled by his fears and just several weird things. He has no idea what's going on. But as he starts to get better, he experiences joy more than just about anybody that you've ever seen. Every, he, he eats a meal with his psychiatrist and his family. His psychiatrist is really upset about it. But every bite, he's going, mmm, mmm. Mmm. Oh, Faye, this is delicious. Thank you. Can I have some more? And, and, and in this scene, he's, he's going sailing. Look how he's tied himself to the mast because he's still terrified. But what he's yelling is, Ahoy! I sail! I'm a sailor! I sail! Let that inspire you a little bit. That's noticing and experiencing, enjoying joy. But more than anything this morning, and this is where we really need the spirit as well as our own choices, I need us to focus on what is good. Keep hoping. Keep trusting. Keep listening to the spirit because he is still talking to you. He's still talking to me. He's still talking to us in big groups and small groups and as individuals. He's still there. He's still going to be calling alongside you no matter what else is going on. One last story, and then we're going to wrap up, and I'm going to challenge you to think about all this as we worship together. Remember the movie Facing the Giants? Anybody ever seen that one? I love that scene they call the death crawl scene at the end. And, and what, what's happening is he's challenging this football player who, who thinks he can't do near as much as the coach knows he can. He blindfolds him and puts a kid on his back. And then they start on one end of the field. And he thinks maybe he can go 20 yards. But as they're going, he just, he's right there beside him. He's going, come on, Brock. Come on, come on. And he's going, but it hurts. I know it hurts. Keep going, keep going. I don't think I can go. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And it's this really long scene. That's why we're not showing it to you. It's like over five minutes long of this guy walking down a field with the dude on his back. And the whole way, the guy is going... Come on, come on, come on. And finally the guy just crumples. He said, I'm sorry. He's crying. I can't do it anymore. I can't go. And he goes, take off your blindfold, Brock. You're in the end zone. He went the entire field. Because he listened to the one who was calling alongside of him. That is what's available to us. That's where the real joy comes from. This morning, if you don't know that, or if you've lost it for a while, you've never experienced it in the first place, I invite you, I invite you to surrender your life to God. We're going to actually have several songs of worship here, and I invite every single one of you to notice these lyrics and sing them and enjoy them. Let 
Notice the presence of God because he's in here. I'm going to do something even a little bit more different. If you do have a decision you need to make today, don't come forward. You can come forward and pray even while the music's going. That's cool. But if you need to talk to me about making some sort of a choice, I'm going to be at the back. I'm going to be back there worshiping. But if somebody really wants to make a big decision public today, come back there so we don't disturb everybody else. But I promise we're going to let that happen too. Are you ready? Let's celebrate with joy.